Hi, welcome to Hold My Ice Coffee. We're super excited to get to talk to you about a little bit about our journey and all of this pandemic and how it's affecting us and the lessons that we're learning. Yes, welcome everyone. We know um, it's been a challenging time. We want you to know that we're here right along with you and we have some great insights to share and I know Cindy does and it's so exciting to be able to talk about her book and some of the things that she's learned through her journey and it has incredible, um, you know, an incredible way that we can all relate to it as well. So I'm excited for you to hear this podcast. So Cindy, this has been a labor of love and excitement for you. Can you tell us about your book and kind of some of the journey that you've arrived to in creating this? So, well, it's so funny um, looking back on it in the middle of it. There was a lot of not funny times. Like I sat <laughs> my driveway like um, probably six months ago. I sat in my driveway and just cried my eyes out like, God, I don't want this. Take this away from me. I have no idea what I'm doing. Why am I revising my book? And um, the whole I've shared this before, but the whole journey with my book started out like years ago when I kind of had a breakdown as a teacher and I was just tired of everything that was happening in my life. And I was tired of people telling me, oh, just have faith and it'll work out. And I had this just complete meltdown at school. And I was like, I'm so sick of these simple answers. I'm like, I need rum and cola for my soul. And it was just <laughs> something I came up with. And I kind of latched on to as a teacher at the end of the day, we need it something to keep us going. And we need it um, peace, like something to calm us down, but also something to keep us going. And I just kind of latched onto the idea of rum and cola because it's the caffeine and the and the rum. So it's like both. And it just kind of became the symbol of what I was looking for. And I wrote the, my book and I was like, oh, I found all these great things. And then people started questioning me and saying that they found it discouraging. And I was like, wait, what? I don't understand. And and then I started looking at myself. What was it I still needed to learn? And I I just had this driving force. Like I had to I had to find something else. Like there was something in there that was still missing in what mm-hmm. I had written. And I didn't even know. And I was like, like, like I said, have a meltdown. Sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? It seems like such a, like it's the dumbest marketing strategy ever to write a book and then within a month or two go, yeah, wait, I'm going to revise all of that because <laughs> I'm not sure I still believe that or whatever. You know, I mean, I believe, believe it, but there was something deeper. And I knew it was like a dumb marketing strategy that I should just write something new, but there was something I missed. And I was just looking for what that was. And that's kind of the journey that I was on when I was revising my book. Mm. And now it's revised. (laughs) And I put it back out there uh, and we'll share the link um, on this podcast. But now it is called Rum and Cola for the Soul, Stories of Messy Peace and Gritty Hope. Oh, that's a great title. (laughs) How did you land on that title? Because I think the original title was so great. How did that impact you when you when God showed you that new title? Well, originally I had said um, it was Roman Cola for the survivor soul, right? And people people looked at that and they were like, "Oh, that's for like people with severe trauma and stuff like that." But mm. um, 
I I feel like it's stories for everybody. And we all survive stuff, but we don't all go around yes. labeling ourselves as survivors. And so to me, the messy piece is, I guess the best example I have of it is I have anxiety and people would tell me all the time, like, oh, if you had faith, you know, you wouldn't have anxiety. And I was like, um, it's bizarre, but I have like a physical something happening in my body that gives me anxiety, but I can be having a panic attack and in the middle of that panic attack, still have peace from God and know that this is just what's happening in my body, but he's with me and it's not a, it's not reality. It's, it's like this feeling in me and, and my body's just going crazy. Like my mind is like, ah, (laughs) but my soul somewhere in there, I have peace that, that it's going to be okay. And that's messy peace. That's not everything around me is just calm and surreal and, and just all in line. It's peace in the middle of extreme messiness. Absolutely. in that. So I like that. (laughs) And then gritty hope is, is kind of the same idea is it's, it's hope that isn't based on everything's going to turn out perfect and I'm never going to have any problems. It's hope that in the middle of all that, extreme problems that I see. And it's not just me, but in the world, like in working with um, survivors who have much harder stories than me, being able to sit with, uh, being able to sit with them and know that there's hope beyond the mess that is right in front of me. And that's got to be gritty, not something that's just like, oh, well, if you have faith, everything will work out. So don't ever say that to me because I kind of like <laughs> emphasize it. It's even in the intro of my book. I talk about when I was having art in the description, if you look at it on Amazon, I share a story about when somebody said that to me at church and I got really mad and yelled at them and told them to shut the F up. And I didn't even say F. I said the, <laughs> I said it in church oh and I was a church greeter. Yeah. At the time, I was like, uh, (laughs) I resigned that day. (laughs) I could just picture that. (laughs) I didn't just go around saying that like the second somebody walked up to me like, shut the fuck (laughs) up. I didn't say that. It was he kept pressing to ask me more questions about what was going on. And then he like exposed this deep hurt in me. And then he goes, you just need to have faith and everything will be okay." And that's when I just lost it. Yeah, right. And I think when someone asks, it almost is a sacred space. It's almost um, a vulnerability that we're revealing our hearts and part of ourselves. And to have a glib answer is not is not that there's nothing peaceful about that. In fact, it just brings more agitation. But I love that you're talking about, you know, messy peace and gritty hope because that's where we are right in the middle of this this pandemic. That's where we are in this moment. That's where we've been since March. We we might have peace. It it, it looks messy. It looks messy for the single mom who hasn't had a break in eight weeks from her daughter is a single mom that I know and got outside for the first time two days ago and took pictures and just reflected in in the beauty and soaked up every minute. It, it looks different for each one of us. 
now, but that accurately describes what we're going through now. How do you think that translates now? How can we have that messy peace? How can we have that gritty hope even when things are going haywire? I, I've been thinking about that a lot. And I think with the things coming up too, there's a lot of fear as we go forward um, with whatever your beliefs are about this. There's fears for our financial future and our health and all these things. Right. Um, and and we all feel that. We feel it in different ways and we're all interpreting it in different ways. But But Jesus never said, follow me and nothing bad will ever happen to you. He yeah. said, he said, fear not in the middle of things that are fearful, like in the middle of a storm, he says, don't be afraid, which he's never telling us, like, don't have the natural reaction of fear, shut down your brain and stop, <laughs> you know, don't, don't be wise. But he's saying, there's more. When you follow me, I'm going to bring something out of the storm and, and you're going to go, he didn't take us from the world and say, we're not going to. Um, experience the same things the rest of the world says. He says we're going to experience it differently. And um, one of the things that uh, I I share this all the time. I've had to really really work through this because one of the hardest things for me is my son is um, he's in the uh, Corps of Cadets and he's going to be in the Army and he plans to be uh, career military. Um, and that it depends a lot on what his wife does and all. And, you know, he wants to make sure that he's considering her and all his decisions. But he he thinks he wants to be career military right now. And he talked to me one day and he said, Mom, don't pray for me to be safe. And he said, because if I'm safe, I'm not doing my job. Mm. And he said, basically, he was like, don't pray for me to not have my dreams of going out and being a leader, you know, because praying for me to be safe means I end up sitting behind a desk or I end up, you know, or hiding somewhere. And he's like, I want to be a leader and I want to do my job well. So pray for that. And that's like really, really hard thing to have. You know, he's he's a strong young man and all that. But I still see my little baby boy, you know, and and I've had to really work through that with God to see the the greatest purpose in his life is not for him to be safe and i mean there's no real safety in the world like you're always going to have problems but but to see my baby boy going out there and wanting to be a leader in the military and hoping to be deployed and stuff like that is a very hard thing to pray about and it is something that i mean i don't it's not a piece that come that I can tell you, hey, do this and you're going to have that peace. It's a piece that comes from sitting with Jesus yeah. and understanding a much bigger purpose for your life. And I can't give you that peace. I can tell you how I found it, but it is sitting with him and, and listening and, um, you know, knowing that the greatest purpose in our life is not sitting behind a sitting you know, closed off from the world is getting out there and, ma- and making hard choices and doing things that bring meaning and purpose and hope to this world. Absolutely. Well, that's really powerful. And I was reading yesterday um, in Ephesians 3.16 from uh, the New Living Translation. It says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you 
with inner strength through his spirit. And that word unlimited, I think it's glorious resources um, in the NIV, but I was just thinking about unlimited resources. That's, that's the resources that our God has. And when we're in him, he will fill us with those unlimited resources. And yet it's still going to be messy, but we can't come up with those unlimited resources on our own. And that meant so much to me, you know, stretching out, I see nothing but days of trying to get my work done, helping my daughters. Um, Everything looks different and I don't have the resources for it, but this is a way to tap into it. And I wonder if that's part of that, that gritty hope that that's part of the hope that you're talking about. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's a beautiful, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like we, we just spend so much time trying to do things for God or, or like, you know, get it all together and all yeah. because we think, you know, I'm following Jesus. I need to have it all together. And he he says, spend time with me and let me empower you. Yeah. And I I have I've been a Christian for so long, but it's just like it feels like last summer was when I I really discovered that um, the Holy Spirit does not want to come alongside me and say, here's all the things wrong with you you need to fix. The Holy Spirit comes to me, and when I truly sit and focus on Jesus and pray to be aware of his presence in my life, I start feeling this empowerment and and value to who I am. And it's strange to me because that is not what I learned from the religious world. I learned about how annoying I was, how I needed to sit down, shut up and conform and everything in me. Well, maybe not exactly like that, but but pretty much it was like you need to fit in this mold and everything in me was like, no, I don't want to be in that mold. And then when I the more I spend time listening to Jesus and I, I think that's a bizarre thing to talk about because it's I have seen so many crazy versions of it. But to just really, really, truly read the word and pray for him to show me how he sees me, it's always empowering. And and it's crazy because the voices in ourself are all condemning and you're not good enough and all that. And I know it's from God when I hear you're my good creation and yeah, there's a lot of mess that I do, but he wants to empower the good parts. And that's what's so beautiful. And I, I think people are missing that. Mm. And I hope that's in my book. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I talked about that a lot, just seeing it. And once you see it in yourself, you can see it yeah. in other people that um, there's so much beauty, even in like, I share the story of a homeless woman who yeah. um as a Christian and she's never ever I she's not a person that's ever gonna like live in a nice house and have an HGTV show about her life and how great a Christian she is because she she's just so there's so many issues there, but I don't think she even wants that. She enjoys life and she likes couch surfing and but she's so so encouraging when you meet her because she's always uh, talking about God and how much she loves him and she's encouraging the people around her. And I don't think she should leave her community. I think that's exactly where God wants her. Um, 
But that's not a story that you hear all the time of people not getting everything in this world and still being exactly where God wants them. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking of all the stories, um, just being a huge fan of even the previous version of your book and so excited to see um, how God has helped you to craft this version. It's it's amazing. And some of the stories of the people that you have gotten to know and stories from your own life. Is there one that's another one that stands out to you? And has that story evolved at all from the, the different versions? Or is there a new story that you put in to kind of accentuate that empowering, um, you know, that em- empowering piece? Hmm. That's a, that's a really interesting question. I I don't know. It's it's so funny. I start saying, well, this one, but we actually, my, Brian laughs at me so much. My husband, Brian, laughs at me so much when I talk about my book because I will, I will read something that I wrote and be like, oh my gosh, I love this. And he's like, that's not normal, Cindy. Like people, <laughs> like I read stuff that I wrote and I get so excited about it. And it's not because I think I'm such a great writer. It's because I love the stories so much. And that I love, I love seeing the stories of Jesus next to the stories of these people that I've, I've known. And um, if I had to pick a favorite one, it would be, I love the story of when Jesus was at the house of uh, one of the Pharisees and um and they were having this big debate over, uh, you know, whether you wash the inside or the outside of a cup first and all. And there's yeah. this big old huge ritual that people go through that they were supposed to go through before they um, came in to eat. And they washed one hand with the other hand and all this stuff. And they said all these prayers. And Jesus just walks in and plops down and ignores it all. <laughs> and then... Um, and the Pharisee is like kind of snobby to Jesus and everything. And then this woman comes in who was known around town as a sinful woman. And the the really cool part about that story is in that culture, how little opportunity she would have had to change. Um, and I don't know what the, we don't know what the rest of her story is, but that Jesus said, go in peace. And and that meant to go in a right relationship with God, like God, you are not at war with God. You are walking in peace with him. And that's that's just such an applicable story to everybody, because you imagine a woman in that world who was known as a sinful woman, and they think she was probably a prostitute. And if she was, like, you, what would she do to make a living after that? Because nobody was going to marry her and there weren't jobs for women. Um, so, but Jesus said, all of that mess that you are dealing with, go face it in a right relationship with God. He's on your side. And I just think that that is so incredibly powerful. And I compare that to stories of people today who I meet that, um, like when I worked in um, a strip club ministry, one of the things that would get to me is how even people in the ministry with me would be like, oh, they could do something else if they wanted to. And I was like, have you ever tried to start out on your own with no support? Yeah. Like with a with a history of, you know, something like being in prison or something and then you don't you didn't finish high school and you have no family support. What is it you're going to do? Like what mm. great job are you going to find? 
you know, it's easy to sit and look and say, oh, well, you know, if you really wanted to, but you know, I have a hard time. I had a hard time finding a job when I left teaching because everybody just defined me as like, oh, you should be a teacher. And I would go apply for a job and they're like, well, you have a teaching background. Why would you want this job? And I was like, because I don't want to teach anymore. (laughs) But people define you by your past, you know, and even just taking a different direction was hard for me. And I had tons of support. So anyway, my point in all of that is that Things are messy, and just because they're uh, hard and we're struggling and people see us different than we are, that doesn't mean that God God sees us that way. We can be in peace with at with him yeah. and and in a right relationship with him, and our lives still be really messy for a while as he works through it with us. Yeah, absolutely. Just on a personal note, there's there has been a lot of stress. Um, that I've dealt with and sometimes it's it's the girls either whatever you call it pig piling or dog piling we just all kind of get on the floor and we just hug it out (laughs) we're like the trolls we hug it out and and in that moment you know I know everything is not is is not um, perfect I know everything is still incredibly messy there's still financial worries there's still worries about my daughters there's still worries about how am I going to face the next day? How am I going to work through this relationship conflict that I have going on? How am I going to finish um, this next writing project? But there's peace in the midst of that. And I wonder if it's almost this trading tensions, if it's almost this, this, there's this tension that it's not all worked out, but yet we can still have that peace. And I think that's very peace that passes understanding from God himself. And that empowers us to go through these times and it empowers us to help other people like you've done by valuing them enough to write their their stories and writing your own stories and delving into the stories of the bible where jesus did things that were completely unexpected but he showed that peace and he showed that we can have that peace no matter what and what i think is really amazing and i think we've touched about it before is you've talked about maybe the way that you grew up thinking that if we follow these set of rules, that there's a certain kind of outcome. And you even talked about your son thinking that too, and he's in ministry. And how have you moved away from that? And has that affect your, affected your writing as well? Yeah, it, um, it definitely has affected my writing. And just, um, I feel like, I call it the bubble sometimes, like that that we think following Jesus puts us in this bubble of safety. Right. And I, I feel like through my life, I just kept expanding that bubble and thinking, you know, like something would happen that didn't fit with my my thinking. Like um, when we moved to Rhode Island, that was one thing that was very hard because not the move as much as how it affected my kids because of their ages and that my son got really depressed. And and it was something that I just didn't think God was going to allow that to happen to me. It felt like my family was being torn apart. And and the my idea of what following Jesus was supposed to be like, I thought that a lot of things could happen to me. Like I was like, financial problems were acceptable. You know, <laughs> it was like all these problems were acceptable because 
I could go through them if I went through them with people. And if my family was okay and we were close and loved each other, I was fine if we lived in a tent or whatever, because my biggest thing was I wanted us to be close. And actually what we ended up in Rhode Island because of me praying for the thing that I thought would bring us close. I I was ready for us to go on the mission field and we thought that was going to happen. And then it all fell apart and this whole long story happened and we ended up in Rhode Island and I was really bitter. I was angry with God and I actually stuffed how angry I was with God for a long time because I felt like it felt like I prayed for the thing I wanted most in the world. And he gave me the exact opposite Mm -hmm. because I was praying for us to be on the mission field and just be bound together. And I didn't care how hard being on the mission field was. I wanted that closeness with my family, and I ended up in Rhode Island, and us all, like, there was a time where I just walked out, and I was like, if we can't get it together, I'm not staying, <laughs> you know, and right. it was hard, and I never, ever would have pictured myself being that far, like, having that much trouble with my family, and Looking back on it, I see that God did give me the exact thing I wanted in my heart, but I didn't understand what it was. But um, I resented him, and I really buried that because I didn't know how to deal with it because I was so angry that I prayed for something, and I felt like I got the opposite. But now, having come through it and looking back on it from 11 years ago, you know, seeing that perspective, I see that. We did break down and we did, but we took away just like all these dumb beliefs that we had and this, that idea that we, if we followed Jesus, we were going to get this easy middle-class American lifestyle. And when that didn't work out, we were at each other's throats (laughs) a lot because we had these expectations and we were so disappointed and we didn't know how to deal with it. But we were also, they were at the age where, you know, at the end of the day, if they wanted to eat, they had to come home, you know, and stuff. <laughs> so, so we did, like, I, I just see that it's so much better that we went through it at that time than if they had left home and then dealt with all of that. We probably wouldn't have had that strong a relationship that we all have now. Yeah. Um, you know, and it is my son in the military, like as as hard as it is for, you know, me to say my baby boy, you know, asked me to pray, not to pray for him to be safe. Like, of course, I pray for him to, you know, um, to be in the middle of unsafe situations and not be harmed. But I don't pray for him to sit behind a desk. So, but that shows a lot of wisdom on his part. And I am proud and I am glad that he knows those things. And he knows those things because we went through hard times together. But it was hard to see it in the middle of those hard times. I just resented God. And, and I honestly didn't deal with that until I went through another hard time. And I was actually outside and I was planting a tree for my granddaughter and I was so so upset because she almost died two times and just like all this stuff and we weren't getting any answers and and I was planting a tree and I was scared to death to plant a tree and I know it's stupid and it's just one of those superstitious things but if I was planting a tree because she really wanted one 
but I was scared to plant a tree for her because it felt like it was a memorial. And I was like, I can't like tree, you plant trees for people for memorials. And so I couldn't do it because I was like, and I just finally in the middle of like this whole thing, I just started yelling at God. I was like, I can't, this can't be like, please, you can't take my granddaughter. I love her so much. And I was just breaking down and saying, um, this can't be a memorial tree. I will like, I will never come out here. And, and I said this and sorry, but I said, I will never come out here and pray and praise you if you take her. Um, cause that's how I felt. And it was honest and raw and not nice, but, um, that's what I felt. And I, I suddenly felt God's presence with me. And it was just this deep sense of me feeling, why do you think that you love her more than I do? And I, and I said out loud, like a crazy person, I said, cause you're not fixing this. Yeah. And, and I, and that's when I just broke down and was just like, it's hard. Like it is so hard to, to reconcile. How does God love me and not fix something that hurts so badly? Um, and and that and that's kind of the essence of what I was wrestling with. How is that better? How is that better than the belief that I grew up with that if I just followed God, you know, all these things were going to be nice and I was going to have that nice little bubble. And that's when I, I wrestled with all my past of like how I resented him for uh, what happened in my family. And like it kind of all came out. And that's when I started seeing, oh, First of all, the first way was not real. Like there is no, there is no way to manipulate God's hand where you get everything you want out of life and you get to miss out on the human condition of, yeah. you know, hard times. And you're not going to get out of this world without anybody you love dying because yeah. death happens, you know, and sickness and uncertainty and all of those things happen. And so the the gritty peace or the gritty gritty hope and the messy peace and all of that is is that he's with us during that experience. And when we start to see that, we see something different. That um, I mean, and it's funny that we ever think that it's about that bubble of safety because look at what happened to Jesus. You know what? Um, he perfectly he was God. He is God, and he he didn't sin, and um, the world turned on him. So why do we think we're going to walk through the world and not have problems? Um, right. But we have something that rises above that. Yes, absolutely. And we can hold on to him, no matter what our bank account says, no matter what we hear on the news, and it's not a going back into that bubble, especially now, this is what we need to focus on even more than ever. And it's, it's so encouraging. And your book is beautifully written. I want to say that I'm a huge fan of your, not only your writing, but the way that you bring these stories to life and just your compassion for, for loving people. And that is so evident. It's like, you're the person that we want to sit down and talk to when we're going through these things. And I get to, which is very exciting um, <laughs> on this podcast. And we all do. How can we get a copy of your book? Well, it's on Amazon um, and Rum and Color for the Soul. It's the apparently the, <laughs> I'm the only person that titled a book that. Nice. So it's Rum and Color <laughs> for the Soul. Um, 
stories of messy peace and gritty hope. And something that's really funny about this is I, I went through everything and um, thought we had it all perfect and everything and put it out there. And I had the title wrong because I cut, I do mess up. I'm like messy peace, messy hope, messy, you know, and they do, they're kind of interchangeable because peace and hope are both messy and gritty. But right. I put the title wrong. I put the title wrong. And I was like, I should probably just leave it and just let everybody say, yeah, see, it's all messy. <laughs> um, but I did. I did fix it. But yeah, this is it. This is my messy life. But so it is yeah. available. I will have a link on our website also. And I absolutely love talking to people about these stories. When I know somebody bought the book or something, I'm always like, hey, tell me when you get to this story, because I think you'll love it. (laughs) (laughs) And and I because I want to know, I want to know how people react to it, because I do get excited about the stories of Jesus and how it applies to people. And um, and yeah, and just there's so many things that I saw in there. I just want to I want to know. So it, I love it if you give me comments like on my fa- our Facebook page or our website or uh, if you want to schedule a time to talk to me. I love it. I get so excited. I think one of the things I really want to do is just go to festivals and like um, sell my book, but be able to talk to people and say, hey, you know, tell me about your life. Oh, you're going to love this story <laughs> in chapter five. You're going to love that because you know, it relates to what you're talking about and things like that. So that's kind of how I'm trying to market my book now, too. It's like I want people to, I want to talk to people about it. And then hopefully they get excited about the stories and then they tell people um, and talk to people about it. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of interaction makes it even more intimate, I think, um, and more personal. And I think that we're we're longing for that today, not only in our relationship with God, but with each other. So not everyone gets that opportunity to talk to an author that they they've had a great experience with their book. So I think that that's really beautiful. And I know people are going to want to contact you. And I'd love to even, you know, have another podcast where we break down a specific you know chapter that you loved and what you saw in these characters or in these characters in the Bible or writing about this person, because it's so important that we can have this messy hope and this gritty peace. And we need it more than ever. We need it more than ever. So thank you so much, Cindy, for sharing um, everything that you did today. It's going to bless a lot of people and it already has, but your wisdom and your really your, your humility to be able to say, I want this out there, but I think there's more to say here is it really resonates with us today because that's what we need. We need the ability to say there's more to do and with God, we're going to do it. And it's not just, the book isn't just for you. It's about you want to share this with other people. And you've told that to me before. When God's revealing things to you, it's not just for us. You've told me that. Do you feel that that's been true here as we wrap up? I I do. And um, yeah, I think a lot of times I'm like, I just want people to know this Jesus. Like, yeah. And the the truth that the resurrection means every story in that 
in the New Testament, like every story of how Jesus interacted with people, that's a story for us because he's still alive. He's still active in the world and his spirit is still with us. So if you want to know how he reacts when you mess up, go look at what he did with the people that he encountered that messed up. You want to know how he feels about the mess you made out of your life? Look what he did with people. He's not up there waiting to squish you because he proved when he walked around on the earth and as he walks with us now, how much he adores us and um, he's wanting the best for us. And I, I do think the additional part that I'm excited about is the conversations and the community. And I hope that this encourages people to share their real stories. And I love, I, I adore having the conversations with people. I get really excited about that. And I hope that we can continue that and that those conversations empower people to have those same kinds of conversations apart from on my iced coffee. Like it just keeps growing because that's the power in the community that Jesus came to build is when we are real and build those connections with each other. And we see the um, peace in all of this mess, whatever's getting ready to happen in our country. You know, um, there, there's just no, no story where there's not going to be a, a, some mess because <laughs> our politics are a right. mess, our, our health system, like all of these messes. Well, this is the time for Jesus followers to rise up and show the way to peace in that. And then it's also uh, the, the hope that we, we can say, you know, whatever's happening, we know the way to hope. We know yeah. a better way. And you guys, like, we're going to model it in these communities Absolutely. where we're real with each other. So I'm super excited about all of that. And yes, so, yeah, thank you for talking to me about this because it's so encouraging that you encouraged me to talk about it because I'm always like, I don't want to talk about myself. <laughs> thank you for, for being real and sharing your struggles and, and really showing us the way to messy peace and gritty hope. And we know that everyone's going to want to get a copy of her book. So uh, thank you, Sydney, for showing us the way. Oh, thank you, Elena. And thank you. Yeah, you right there. I see you. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate all of our listeners. And we love it when you reach out to us and share what you got from our podcast or anything that we do. Our prayer for you as you face whatever happens in the next phase of this coronavirus crisis is that you truly do find messy peace and gritty hope that connects you with the heart of God. Absolutely. And we'll be here. We'll be ready to hold your iced coffee.